0: Uh, you're permitted to ask questions whenever you want. I mean, uh, the best is if you if you ask, you can ask questions in the chat. That would be ideal.
1: Okay, please. Hey, you're on.
0: I'm re- we're ready to go. Yep. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Israel Bernath. I'm coming from uh, Montreal, Canada. I can't say that uh, it's not cold here. It's already getting cold. We see the, 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 uh, the semblance of winter coming our way, even though it's always a shock. No matter how many years you go through it, it's always this shock. Winter is here. Boom. Um, tonight is a, very, is a very special night, as I thought what I would do with you this evening is perhaps share a story A story that you may have never heard before, yet it's deeply rooted in the story of the Torah. So if you take a look at the ends of last week's Torah portion, the portion of Noah after the flood, it goes through these generations from Noah until this Abraham is born or Avram is born. And then this week's Torah portion, Lech Lecha, picks up Avram is leaving his home. So how old was he? Two days old? A day old? An hour old? How old was he when he leaves his home? I mean, he's born and then he leaves his home. Well, we know through the Midrashic stories that he was 75 years old. And so as a child, I always wondered what happened for the first 75 years of Avram's life. A, what happened? What's the background? And why is it not told in the Torah? And what does it have to do with you and me? And those are the three main questions I want to answer tonight. Now, before I answer those questions, I got to give you some history and some background. So we're going back about 5,781 years in a couple odd weeks to be exact Adam is created after Adam and Eve are banished from the Garden of Eden the Midrash says that God gives them a coat this coat has a special power says the Midrash the power is is that the animals are scared of it and the animals bow to it Adam uses this coat to name the animals. He passes this coat. He passes this coat to his son, shame who passes it to his son, sorry, to his son, Seth, who passes it to his son, to his son until it gets to Noah. When Noah was introducing the animals into the ark, the animals would come and the Midrash says they bowed to him. And Noah only accepted animals into the ark that bowed to him. Actually, animals that didn't bow were left outside of the ark. Fascinating story, the Midrash relates that once the people knew that the flood was actually coming, they actually ran towards the ark, and they surrounded the ark, and Noah said, it's too late. I gave you 120 years. It took them 120 years to build the ark. I gave you 120 years to get into the ark. It's too late. And so they tried to get in. Well, the animals that didn't get into the ark, they attacked the people, and the people ran away. Some of them devour the people. We won't get into all the technical difficulties and details. So now, Noah has this coat that was given to Adam. Noah uses it. It protects him from the animals in the ark. He's feeding the animals. Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Yapheth. The youngest one was Ham. Cham steals the coat in the ark. According to one midrash, that's how the... Lion actually devoured, uh, sorry, the, the, um, took off one of his limbs and made him lame because he didn't have the coat anymore and didn't protect him. Ham gives this coat to his son, Cush, who gives this coat to his son, Nimrod. Now, Nimrod is not exactly the most savory character. This Nimrod is a fascinating individual. He turns himself into a deity. He does insane things that no one had done before. At that time, everybody was vegetarian. Nimrod is the first recorded person to ever eat meat. He would stand up on top of the mountain and all the animals would bow to him, as so was the power of the coat. And the people saw the animals bowing to him and they said, my gosh, this man is God. And Nimrod, he took advantage of it. Oh, did he take advantage of it? It says he had a perfect shot. He could get a mosquito from across the room. At that time, majority of the world's inhabitants, as we know it, lived in a place called Kuta. This was uh, early Mesopotamia. In Kuta, the Midrash says that Nimrod built himself a beautiful palace. This palace had... A fascinating stair, a stairwells, and it had, um, it, was, it was all, the, the way that they would build houses in those were these kind of domes, so this palace was domed similar, with a, with a spiral, similar to the way that they would build their homes in those days. Well, Nimrod was such an amazing, an amazing warrior. He's the first person to ever wage war actually to wage war, to kill off a family. Now, our story that we're going to tell tonight starts in the year 1948 from creation. If creation is zero, if Adam is born on the sixth day, we're now 1948 from creation. Fascinatingly enough, modern day 1948 represents a different uh, a different time, which is a correlation. I'll, ch- I'll, I'll have some fun tonight, and I'll give you different correlations like that. Nimrod has a general. General, the captain of his army, his name is Terach. Terach and Nimrod, together with 450 men, they go to attack. The family of Yefet. The family of Yefet lived in a city called Ram. And they attacked them and they killed out most of the family of Yefet. How many people, there's a debate in the Midrash, probably around 300,000 people were killed. Terach comes back from this great war and he's all excited. The captain of the army. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Three months before this event that I'm going to tell you about, Nimrod has a dream. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy dream. The dream is that there is a child that's going to be born that's going to overthrow him. So he does something that you may have, if you've studied the Pharaoh in Egypt, you probably have heard a story similar He takes all of the women who are pregnant in all of Kuta, puts them into one area, and every child that's born is killed. Now Terach is the captain of the army. He has royalty. He says to Nimrod, you're not going to put my wife. My wife is pregnant, but you're not going to put her there. No, you're the captain. Of course, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put her with the other simple people. And so his wife is exempt. His wife's name is Amat Lai. Amat Lai, Bat, the daughter of Karnava. So this Terach and Amat Lai, Terach, now let's fast forward three months. She gives birth. And Terach comes back. She gives birth to a boy. He comes back from defeating the family of Yefet in the city of Ram. And he names this boy Avram, the father of Ram, in order to um, celebrate this great victory that him and Nimrod and their army had. Now, to celebrate the victory and to celebrate the birth of Avram, he makes a party the likes of which Kuta had never seen. And he invites all the who's who of Mesopotamia to attend this party. He also invites the famed stargazers of Nimrod. Everyone. I mean, you were a nobody if you didn't have stargazers. I mean, my teachers used to say that I used to look at the stars. I figured probably it's a good job for a boy like me who's always in the stars. to start stargazing. But you were a nobody who didn't have stargazers. The stargazers are walking out of Terach's house, and they see an incredible scene. They see four stars. They see one star in the sky. All of a sudden, from that one star come out four stars. And that other star eats up the four stars and shoots down to Terach's house. The stargazers immediately interpret that. Is this little boy Avram, that's born, is the boy that Nimrod's dream was talking about. He's scared. In order to give you a little visual, so you're not just looking at my talking head the entire night, um, one of my dreams as a child was to create uh, an animation, and uh, it was just a childhood dream. I, I. I obviously grew up um, on the Disney films, but um, I never had anything that was, I thought was kosher. That was something that I would be able to sh- you know, show my children or, or to be able to be proud of on a, on a more of a biblical level. So uh, 14 years ago, I set out to create an animated film and it was released 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago this week. So it's the 10th anniversary of the release of the film. Uh, it's done quite a bit. It's, uh, it's gone pretty far and wide. It was ended up being bought out by uh, one of the subsidiary studios of NBC. And, uh, what I'm going to do for you tonight is as I'm sharing the rest of the story, I'm going to put the film on silent. For those of you who uh, want to watch the film with the actual sound, uh, I, there's a link up that you'll be able to, to, to view it later on, or maybe some of you have already viewed it. But for tonight, for my discussion with you, I'm going to just put it on silent. I called it young Abraham from the ancient stories of the Israelites or a tale from the Midrash. And you'll see the film kind of starts um, again, um, Kuta, Mesopotamia. You know, remember, they, they built those domes, but we wanted to kind of get a feel for what Nimrod's palace looked like and who he was. So we did a lot of research on the kind of look, the look and feel of this ancient Mesopotamian city. The film opens up where I'm holding in the story with the stargazers leaving the house of Terach after this great celebration for his son. And they see this incredible scene that I just described to you. In the sky. A shocking scene. This is exactly how the Midrash puts it. Obviously, I use my artistic imagination. Shining down right onto the home of Terach. Showing that this young child that was born this night. Is going to take over the throne. Well, obviously the stargazers. Look, Terach is God. Sorry, Nimrod is God. If Nimrod is God, he already knows this. So if we don't tell him the stargazers we're in trouble and so the stargazers run to tell Nimrod that this child that's born to Terach is going to take over your throne Nimrod doesn't know what to do because I mean Amatlai this is Terach and Amatlai Amatlai is exempt from this thing but look a prophecy is a prophecy and you don't mess with a prophecy. Now, Terach is so proud. One of the fascinating things I think about this world that we really don't understand is that there was a great desire for idolatry. People would worship stones. They worship stones. That was what it was. That was a world. I mean, like we worship money today, our idol is money. Their idol was stone. I mean, it's so hard for us to really even relate to, to what that means, worshiping stone. Can you think about that? I mean, people would think the stone created me. So we're so removed from that, but we're not really removed from that because we worship money that same way. I don't know if it created me, but we worship money. We'll do anything for money. Money is life. Time is money. We, what we do for money today. Well, they had that same desire for idolatry. So Terah goes to serve the idols to thank the gods for this great victory. As he's serving the idols, the guards from Nimrod come and say Nimrod wants to see you. Now remember, he just created he just finished a celebration. He's all elated. He made a big party. And now he is invited into the throne room of Terah. Of course, Nimrod wants to celebrate. He wants to t- congratulate him. And of course, what does Nimrod, the great Nimrod do? He says, "Terah, I'm going to make you a deal. I am going to give you gold and silver up into the roof of your home, the ceiling of your home. I'm going to fill your home to the ceiling with gold and silver in return for your child. So Terah does something fascinating, the Medrash says. He says, my dear king, I have a question for you. Remember last year you gave me that great stallion, that horse, for my birthday? Well, there's a guy named Mardon. Mardon wants to give me a bushel of barley in return for the horse. What do you think? Is it a good deal? He says it's a terrible deal. Why would you take a bushel of barley when when you're not going to have a horse to eat it? Because you're going to give the horse to Mardan, He says the same thing. Why should I accept your gold and silver if I have no child to inherit it? Well, Nimrod is exasperated. I give you three days to bring me the child or I kill you. Now, the maidservant overhears this whole thing. She runs back to tell Amatlai that we're not sure in the Medrash whether or not Terach knew the next step. I'm going to go with what I think, and that is that Terach had no idea what was going to happen next. Amatlai realizes that this is a very serious thing, and Terach being so true to the king, to Nimrod, he's going to bring their child, Avram, to Nimrod. He's going to get him killed. This is the very sad part of the story. But the same night that Avram was born, the maidservant also had a child. And so what Amatlai does is she changes the blankets. The blankets of Avram she puts on the servant, the maidservant's child, and the maidservant's child blanket she puts on Avram. She switches the babies. You know, it's very hard for me to, to wrap my head around good, bad, evil I don't have answers for it. I'm telling you a story as a story is told in the Midrash. I don't like this part of the story. Tarah goes home. And. Amatlai. Takes Avram. In the blankets of the maidservant. Child. And she leaves. And she runs away. And Tarah takes the child that he thinks is Avram and brings him to the king. The king rewards Terah for bringing him his child. He kills this child and gives Terah, as he promised, gold and silver up to the roof of his home. Terah retires from uh, his army service and he builds himself an idol shop with the money. sells, he buys and sells idols of all shapes and sizes.
1: We'll be back after a quick break. Stress and trauma happen inside
0: of our bodies, so we can't just heal them through talking. We must also heal them through feeling. My name is Luis Mojica. I'm a somatic educator and nutritionist. And I'm also the host of the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where every week I teach you how to release stress and trauma and find a safety inside of yourself through nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing.
1: We'll be back after a quick break. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced
0: that you'll forever be alone? Surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers?
1: (laughs) Hi, I'm Elisa Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix.
0: And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yastro Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker.
1: Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits.
0: So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join me over at the Holistic Life Navigation podcast, or visit me at holisticlifenavigation.com. See here in the film, Taras is taking the maidservant's child to Nimrod. A matlai runs up the mountains to a cave, and she hides her son Abram in a cave. There's a number of different midrashim that describe what happens next. The child is either raised by the angel Gabriel. Or the child is raised by a a, a servant that Amatli, uh hires to raise to raise the child. Yet this child is raised in the cave. There's a great debate in the midrash as to what age he was when he ventures out of the cave for the first time. We we, we follow the midrash that he was three years old when he ventures out of the cave for the first time, but most of the Majrashim will say he's 13 years old or he's 23 years old. What we did here in the film, and you'll see soon, is we actually covered all three of the midrashim by kind of showing a montage of the three different ages. So for the first time, he's raised in there in, in this cave. And you know, he he's not raised in Kuta. He's not raised in the in the in the main city. So he doesn't really understand. The nature of um idolatry so much, because he's kind of removed from that. But there's a lot of discussion about spirituality and where is God and the Creator, God, who created this, who created that. And so he ventures out of the cave for the first time as a three year old, and he watches a scene of a flower opening. this beautiful scene that we probably have seen so many times either in a film, that flower blooming. And he says, This is magnificent. And he follows the rays of the sun up towards the sky. I'm just going to fast forward this. He follows the rays of the sun up towards the sky. And he says, My gosh. Look at that sun. This must be the creator God. And he sits there staring at the sun until nighttime. But at nighttime, the moon takes over the sun. So he says, oh, the moon must be the creator God because it took over the sun. And he does this over and over again. And I love this this natural process, how he goes from a little flower blooming all the way through. And he goes through this process through, through nature of understanding monotheism and creating the creator God. Now, what's fascinating about this is that Avram is going to do something that today we don't really appreciate. majority of the world as we know it follows the ideas of Avram, monotheism. It's very accepted in the world. All the three major religions follow the ideas of Avram. But here in this time, this time, in 19... 48 or now we you know we're a little further on 19 let's say 1961 so 5781 minus 1961 you can do your math how many years ago this was almost four thousand years ago four thousand years ago here is a young man who stands alone and he has a very powerful very important job to do i never understood him my favorite biblical character is joseph I love Joseph, and we can talk about Joseph all day and all night, because I love Joseph as a character. I think he embodies so much of of our world today, who we are, and I would say he is the kind of person that we all want to be. But Avram, I never understood him. A man in a mission, he's so focused, so strong, he'll do anything to convince someone there's a creator God. One of my favorite lines from the film is when he goes back home and he tries to convince his family there's a creator God. And his family says, ha, you expect us to believe in a God that you can't see, you can't hear, and you can't sell? Because they're in the idol business. So he is, is doing everything to try to create. I mean, later on, We could talk about you know, how he sets up a tent in the middle of an oasis in the middle of a desert, and people would come to that oasis, and if they didn't, they would eat and drink, and they'd say, Avram, how much do I owe you? And he'd say, how much do you owe me? You owe me nothing. Just pray to my God. He's like, I don't want to pray to your God. I got my own gods. Oh, you got your own gods? Okay, a million dollars. He blackmailed people into praying to his God. Now, I don't like that. It's not my style of, uh, of living. I don't, I don't want to blackmail people into, into monotheism. But here is a person who stood alone, a man on a mission. And it doesn't make any sense. This is actually one of my favorite moments of the entire film, where um, he, he really understands. He, remember, I said 3, 13, or 23, so he's 23. And when he realizes at 23 that there's really a God, he covers his head saying that my head is not the highest part of my being, that there's something above me. I love that moment. This is one of my favorite moments of the film. So I just don't understand this, Avram. And the struggles, the trials and tribulations of his life embody this great struggle to teach the world monotheism. This is the first time. He goes back to Kuta. Now Kuta is called Kazdim, They change its name. And he's shocked to see the idolatry is rampant. I mean, it's everywhere. Remember, the flood wasn't that long ago. Noah is still alive. The flood wasn't that long ago. And people have once again become a different kind of corrupt. Before the flood, it was a, a lewdness. This is a spiritual corruption. And, you know, the truth is, I don't know which one is worse. And we aren't to judge which one is worse. But there's a real corruption that's going on. People, maybe, you know, maybe let's say that they're going on the right path in the wrong direction. Well, if it's the right path in the wrong direction, it's not the right path. Yeah, maybe it's easy to to convince them and turn them around, right? So they're going on the right path. But if they're on the wrong path, they're on the wrong path. And it's rampant. This is what people are doing. Avram doesn't understand it. The Medrash says, and this is one of the most famous uh, Madrashic stories, probably one that you've heard before if you've heard any of the Madrashic stories of Avram, where either his father got sick and had to go away or his father realizes who he is and he um, he faints and they take him to the hospital or he's on a trip, but he's not there. He's not there. And Avram gets left in the idol shop by himself. Now, the Midrash tells a number of stories of different people who came into the idol shop. He says, uh, the Midrash says, there's a man of 60 years old, walks into the idol shop and he says, I need an idol. I need a good one, a big one. And he says, I don't understand. How old are you, sir? He said, I'm 60 years old. And you want to purchase and pray to an idol that my father made yesterday you're 60 years old and he convinces him not to buy it another woman walks into the shop here this woman walks into the shop and she says my idols were stolen my idols of protection were stolen i want a new idol for protection so he turns to the woman and says if they can't protect themselves how do you expect them to protect you and a number of people, the, sto- the Midrash tells a number of stories of people that come into the idol shop. Finally, a woman comes into the idol shop with a se'ah. It was a, 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 a classical measurement of the time of flower. And she wants to serve one of the idols, the flower. And so it says the whole time as he's there, as people come in, they, they, he would give them different demonstrations. You know, he would, he would demonstrate. He's like, oh, what kind of idol do you want? He's like, oh, I, I want this idol over here. And he would smash the idol as uh, as as they would look at it. And he started smashing the idols. I love demonstrations. So I did a lot of the voices for the film also. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry for those of you who didn't see it before, you'll have to see it with the audio. It's really fun. We're, it was really fun to create. It took four and a half years to create this film. And uh, so he's he and, and as the midrash tells, he's he's smashing the idols as he goes goes along, giving various demonstrations to various people coming into the shop. This is how you sell the idols, right? You smash them. Are you listening to me, anyway? With his ears in the idol, so he ends up smashing all the idols in the shop and there's a great moment after he smashed the idols in the shop where his father comes back, comes running into the shop and he has this great dialogue with his father who now obviously sees his entire shop is just destroyed. By the way, this is like, I love this because as a child, this is the kind of how, you understand, I'm, I, I would picture this as a kid. This is how it looked. And Avram tells him the story about this lady came in and she was serving the, the idols, and all the idols were fighting, which who wanted the food the lady was serving, and there was a big brawl. And when the dust settled, I looked around, and the hammer is in the biggest idol's hand. And his father, Terah, turns to him and he says, You expect me to believe that? These, these idols can't see, and they can't hear, and they can't wield a hammer. And he looks at him and he says, then how can you worship them?
1: We'll be back after a quick break. Dropping in to tell you about Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things, a podcast dedicated to real life stories of hope from ordinary people just like you. I'm your host, Nancy Brusher, and I get to talk about real things going on in the world through the perspective of hope. We talk about cancer, grief, trafficking, anxiety, body image, identity, loneliness, faithfulness, addiction, homelessness. But it all draws back to the hope that we have. So I hope you will click on the link in the show notes and check out Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things.
0: And Terach realizes the prophecy was true. There's a debate whether Terach turned him in or the, the guards came and arrested him or Avram himself turns him in. But we'll go with this very interesting medrash where Avram actually turns himself in. So he goes through the streets of Kazdim. Remember, Kutu was turned to Kazdim and he's taking these idols and he, he wraps these 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 smashed idols with a rope and he's going around the streets saying useless idols for sale who wants a useless idols they can't see they can't hear they can't do anything for you they're completely useless who wants them and he takes that idol all the way into the palace of nimrod smashes all the idols in the palace of nimrod and then he has this amazing uh course back and forth nimrod finally does this like thing in front of all the people at nimrod's party nimrod Kind of turns himself into his god. He says, "I'm the god." He says, "If you're the god, then why can't you make the time stop? If you're the god, make the the sun uh, uh, rise in the east and set in the west. If you're a god, then you should know what I'm thinking right now." And he does this very funny thing. Nimrod realizes that this is the kid. And uh, so, if you look here, there's a, a debate whether it was a fog or when they tried to get him, it was a fog or there was a, a swarm of bees. We went with the fog that he ran away through the fog. Um, they end up putting, he puts him in prison and uh, gives him no food or water, but he survives there. A, a miracle happens and a stream appears and a tree appears. And he actually, because of that, he ends up converting uh, the prison guards to monotheism. I skipped a piece because the film here kind of skips around, but he ended up something, one of the things I never knew before this was he spent time in the yeshiva. So the, the medrash says, we knew I, this I knew, that he spent 38 years of his childhood in yeshiva with the yeshiva of shame and Noah. He studied with Noah. Now, if you look at the timeline, it actually makes sense if you look at how when Noah was born. So he actually there was a 78 year overlap. This is Noah in the film. And it just totally makes sense where Noah is teaching him. Of what he saw and why God. Destroyed the world. Um, According to. Uh, I had a question here can you please give us more background about when this yeshiva started and how long it continued um so it depends on which midrash we go by either he's three or he's 13 or he's 23 so from that time he ends up spending 32 years in yeshiva so at some point so let's say in and best third you know 23 plus 32 is 55 let's say that he's 55 when he leaves yeshiva let's let's go with that uh did I do that math right yeah um yeah yeah, he's there the entire time, just someone asked. And the yeshiva itself, how long did it last? He was there day and night. I mean, I think the film shows it very well right here. You can see it. He studies day and night to the point where he himself becomes a teacher in the yeshiva. And the film itself is showing him being now teaching the, the, the Torah of Noah and his son, Shem. And also later on, um, the grandson, Aver. So it ends up later becoming the yeshiva of Shem and Eber. That's where Yaakov, Jacob, goes run and runs in Haran. When he runs uh, away, he goes to the yeshiva of Shem and Eber. But at this point, Noah is still alive. And so um, when did Noah, I, I believe, according to the Midrash, shame started the yeshiva, but Noah joined him. It was shame that was really the righteous one. But Noah also, I mean, was righteous in his in his own way. And I think about that passing of information from Noah to shame and then to, to Avram. I mean, that just those 10 generations, just 10 generations between Noah and Avram. You can look that up online. You can see the 10 generations. And I think about the passing of information between these two. You know, Noah had an opportunity to convert the world, and he chose to just save his family. You know, think about it. In 100, Scotty, if I gave you 120 years to convince somebody to become a Noahide, could you do it in one person in 120 years? Could you do it one person? I say one person. Yeah. He's saying, yeah, of course. One person I can do it in 120 years I can do. Well, Noah has 120 years while he's building the ark. That's why God gives him so much time. And in 120 years, he does not manage to convince one person. Because Noah didn't want to convince anyone. He was like, it's me and my family. It's me and my family. That's all it is. Noah doesn't want to convince anyone into monotheism. Now, Abraham is a very different character. Abraham does what Noah is supposed to do before the ark. He basically is the true child of Noah. Because Noah was supposed to spend 120 years convincing the world to change their ways. But instead, that's what Avram does. Avram spends his days from his very youth until his very last days convincing the world that there's a God. That there's one creator God. And it's not Nimrod. And so I think that it's amazing to see that connection. I never knew until I did this research on the story and, and studied all the Midrashim, I never knew that connection, that incredible connection between Noah and Avram and share, that sharing, that continuation of information. To me, that is just, was just like mind-blowing. That, and, it just, and it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. So he goes back and when he goes back, that's when the story happens where he ends up in jail. Well, meanwhile, so now he's in jail. Let's, let's I'm, I went back to the, I wanted to give you the background on the story. Now he's in jail. Now Nimrod decides he is going to show all of the world that he is truly God by killing Avram. He's going to kill him in front of all the people. He says, there's a traitor in our midst. And this traitor... We're going to throw him into the greatest fire that we ever built. And there's a Midrash that says for seven days, they brought all their wood. Some say for 40 days. There's a lot of 40s in the Torah. So let's go with 40. For 40 days, the people brought their, their firewood. Someone just asked a question, When shame, was shame still alive when Avram was at the yeshiva? For sure, shame was the son of Noah. So shame was even alive in the times of Jacob. When Jacob, when Yaakov went to the yeshiva, Shame was still alive. So Shame was definitely, this was Shame's yeshiva in, in every way, shape, and form. So let's fast forward to the fire. So he's like, we're going to, so the people for 40 days, they build this massive fire in the middle of Kazdan, this incredible fire. It's unbelievable. So, so much that anyone that goes near it is killed. That's how much. Out comes Nimrod, makes a big speech in front of all the people before they light the fire. Remember, he had a perfect arrow. According to one midrash, this is before the Tower of Babel. According to another midrash, it's after the Tower of Babel. We'll talk about the Tower of Babel in a second. But he shoots up the arrow to the sky. During the Tower of Babel, he it says, the Midrash says he shot up an arrow, and it came down bloody to show that he killed, he said to the people that he killed God. But this time, he was so it off, and he'd shoot up arrows to the sky, and they come down. This one, he, he took a lit arrow with fire, and he shot it up to the sky, and it came down, and it lit the fire. And out come these eight men, and they're carrying Avram. It's unbelievable. Everyone's watching how they're going to take the traitor, and they're going to, Burn him. They're going to burn the traitor. This is fantastic. Well, they marched towards the fire and the eight men collapsed dead. And there's Avram laying there chained by himself. So they have to take a rope to kind of pull him out of the fire (laughs) because everyone's gone. And anyone who went near the fire was killed. Now, something fascinating happens because I'm going to go to the verse in the Torah that talks about the fact that Haran died before his dad. Now, Haran, which was the brother, right, Um, uh, 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 Avram had two brothers, Nahor and Haran, and Haran was was a sorcerer, or so they thought he was a sorcerer. So Nimrod thought that maybe this whole thing with Avram surviving in the fire was sorcery. Now, at this time, Haran wasn't sure if he believed in Avram's god or not. So what Haran does is he says in his mind, if Avram survives the fire, then then I'm going to believe in Avram's God. If he doesn't, I'm not going to believe in it. So when he sees Avram surviving the fire, he says, this is my God, too. So when Nimrod turns to him, thinking he's a sorcerer, Haran, do you believe in Avram's God? He says, yes, I do. They throw him into the fire, and he rolls out dead in front of his father. And that's why it says that Haran died in front of his father, because he was killed in this fire. Avram is still in the fire. I'm just going to fast forward here. I apologize. I can't show you the whole thing, but you can watch it on your own time. Avram is still in the fire. First of all, um, how they get him into the fire is they, um, they catapult him in because there's no other way to get him into the fire because nobody can go near it. So they catapult him in. Here we showed Nimrod throwing him, but he actually they catapulted him into the fire. And everybody goes home. Three days later, they come back. One midrash says a cloud had covered Avram and the fire. Another one says a garden in the fire. We went with the midrash to the garden because it's just more aesthetically pleasing. Sorry. I I probably think it was more like a cloud, but, you know, come on. Garden or cloud, which one would you pick? You know what I mean. Sorry. I still have, you know, still got to do the visuals. Come on. So, they, they come back and they see this guy, this Abraham. He's in the fire, and there's a garden. <laughs> Nimrod can't believe it. He's got to see this for himself. This is unbelievable. He said, this, 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 "This is this is this is sorcery. This is insane." Three days later, he's still in the fire. So they they send it says he sends the soldiers in to get him. The soldiers die. He sends the next group in. They die every time. So finally, he has to convince Avram to come out of the fire. Avram comes out of the fire. And everyone bows to him. And Avram says, don't bow to me. I'm not the real thing. Bow to God in heaven. And it says that for two years, at that point, even Nimrod bowed to God in heaven. And the people of Kazdim, which they now changed to Ur-Kazdim because of the fire. They changed to Ur-Kazdim. They destroyed all their idols. They threw them all into the fire. And this went on for two years. Until the story of... Avram leaving, which opens our Torah portion. And there's there's other interesting stories we can talk about, about this guy Rakian and the pharaoh in Egypt. And that is the story between Noah and Lechlecha of the Midrash, the first 75 years of Avram's life, because Avram is 75 years old when he leaves his father's house, spends five years in Haran, then goes on to Canaan, and later ends up in Egypt. What's also fascinating about it, if you look at the, 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 um, how, the, the path that Avram takes, he does the entire width and length of bi- the biblical land of Israel. Which in its own is fascinating because in those times when you bought a piece of land, the way you would acquire the land is you would walk its width and its length. And so Avram in his journeys, if you look, if you actually take and look at the map of Avram's journeys, I have an amazing book here. If you've never seen it, um, I'm going to show it to you. I like the fact that I'm sitting here at my library. You can see my, part of my, at least part of my library. This is about, I mean, I have nine bookcases here, but uh, this is only about a quarter of my library. So I have this this Bible atlas that I bought. It's from uh, 1825. I love some of these old. So oh, I have a lot of like these really cool things. So you can see this is, I wish I could show this properly to you, but this is the original biblical Canaan. And Avram actually, you can see the journeys of Avram and Canaan, how he walks the entire biblical land of Israel in his journeys. That, I mean, there's so many more things. We can just go on all night on the various elements and making those kind of synapses and connections for you. I'm going to end my the formal part of my talk here. And I know you probably have questions, and I'm happy to take your questions. Um, if you didn't see the connections with our world today, then uh, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, the, the, just the connections and thinking about Avram's life. And uh, uh, from Mount Hermon to Gaza, yes, yes. Uh, the walk, well, the walk actually is... Um, is from uh, the Nile to the Euphrates. Really, that's that's the the length of it. And the the other the width of it is uh, yeah, from Mount Raman to the uh, to Gaza. Okay. The next the, the, here's a, here's our first question for the evening. Well, first question post my talk for the evening. Are there any other movies like this in the pipeline? This is so beneficial, informative, inspirational to us as Noahides. Is there also a way for us to share as a family and friends? So you, you're welcome to share it with family and friends. I didn't tell you anything. This is not but you have a link there that you can share with your family and friends. Um, absolutely. It was my honor. It only cost $1.8 million to make. So uh, I don't know if there's an, is there another one in the pipeline? Not of this, not of this caliber. This was just my, my childhood dream and I fulfilled that dream. I wanted to do more. I know, I know. Thank you, Wayne. We need that more and more and more, but uh, it was my childhood dream that I fulfilled. And um, I actually am working on a lower budget film right now. Uh, I did one on David, which unfortunately got tied up in some legal battles so never came out. Uh, and nothing to do with me. I'm, I, I don't deal with all the legal stuff. And when you deal with, unfortunately, in the, in the, in the world of film, that's what happens ends up happening. And I'm doing one now on the story of Shimshan. So uh, that's going to be coming out uh there's a uh there's a really great um uh Jewish um orthodox kids uh like netflix called tovido t o v e e d o so i'm i'm doing uh, a a number of films for them right now they they have, none of them come out i have the just the audio of it for now uh but it's coming out soon we're going to be doing some some they're lower budget but we're going to be doing some some stories based on the midrash for them I also um, I also produced an audio Bible. So and one of my one of my thoughts was to actually do like an audio and um, in, in like the, as if it was a film, but an audio version of it as if it was in like a, a like a like a, a an animated audio Bible. So that was one of my thoughts. I I may end up doing that. It's a, it's definitely lower budget than uh, doing a full film. What else? What are your thoughts on this? How old was Shame when Avram went to Yeshiva? Well, let's take a look uh, at the timeline. If Avram was born in 1948, let's get our very important index of Jewish history. These are very important books to have around. See, well, uh, let's take a look at Shame. Shame I believe Shame is born in the year 8 uh he's born in 1558 is that right? How is that possible? Enosh. Yeah, Shame is born in 8 in uh 1558 and Avram was born in 1948. So Shame is uh, 490. Let's say Avram goes to Shiva at 23. So Shame is uh Shame is uh, six uh, uh, five thirteen when No Avram goes to yeshiva and he dies in his nine hundreds. He's nine seventeen when he dies, I believe. So if, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. So he's around for four. You know, he's he's, he's around for a lot of it. Shame is uh, around for quite a bit of it, um, even through the the, the 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 children of Jacob. I think he dies uh, maybe right after the first or second child of Jacob is born. So he's, he he sees a lot of it. There's a couple of interesting people um, who see quite a bit of all these stories. One of them is uh, Og. Og, the king of Bashan. You've heard of Og? Og is a giant. It says, uh, the Midrash says that the Nephilim, the fallen angels, you may have heard of them. Uh, he was one of them. And he survives the flood. We don't know exactly why he survives the flood. But he survives the flood and he's killed by Moses. Think about how many years that guy lived. But according to the Torah, according to the Torah, Methuselah is the oldest ever lived. He lived to 969. So uh, I don't know. We don't know. I mean, Og, Og survived the flood. In the 16s and 24. I mean, yeah, he's, Og's got to have lived. You know, the the Exodus of Egypt was 2448. So, you know, that's already 800 and something years. I guess it's not 969. So Og lives like 969. Where does Nimrod's coat end up? It's a very good question um, where Nimrod's coat ends up. According to one midrash, that was a technicolor coat that Jacob gives to Joseph. The coat keeps on coming back over and over, according to one midrash. Uh, Nim- um, who killed Nimrod? Uh, did Rebecca give Joseph the coat? No, Jacob gave Joseph. Oh, yes. Uh, Rebecca gives the coat to Jacob. That's right. Thank you. the coat. Rebecca gives the coat to Jacob because that's how he gets the blessing from, 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 from Isaac. And then um, Jacob gives the coat to Joseph. And then obviously the coat ends up in the hands of the brothers and is brought back to Jacob. I don't know what happened to it. It was full of blood. Because they put it, they the, blood, the brothers put blood all over it to show that Joseph was dead. Um, so I don't know what happens. We don't hear about the code after that. Uh, who kills Nimrod? Uh, according to one opinion, Nimrod is killed by um, um, Tuvo. It's Tuval Caien. He's killed by the grandson of Cain his name is Tubal Kayan. He's an evil guy. is interesting. Uh... Oh no! Uh, I think he's, he's sorry. I think he's killed by Kadarla Omer. I don't think Esau killed him. I, I can I can double check. Again, okay, I'm just doing it off the top of my head. Um, Why does the ministry say about Og? Has any country the Torah? I don't know. I mean, I mean, we can go into Og. Og is a. We'd have to do a, an entire. Uh, um, just a piece, just an O to understand who he is, where he comes from, how he goes to, you know, I had this, you know, I've all all these ideas in my head, but one of my ideas as a kid is I wanted to do a comic book series called O where it goes through the entire story of Genesis up until, you know, in in, in the middle of of Exodus until he dies through the eyes of the evil guy, O. And you see like all these things happening, but you see the entire story through the through og's eyes. That was one of my one of my dreams. Um, it seemed sad that they return to idolatry. Yeah, look, history repeats itself, and you can see a lot of the same themes happening over and over again. You see, and I think in today we have to look at the Bible and see the themes of it and how it relates to our lives today because it's our story all over again. Look at the world. You know why? do you know why, um why God made the flood? Because of moral and ethical corruption. Do we have to talk any more than that in our world today? And God promised that he would never bring a flood again. But every time we see that rainbow, we have a reminder of that covenant that God made with Noah. People say, oh, that's so beautiful, that rainbow. Actually, that's the reminder. And if someone just sent me a direct message that says, absolutely nothing has changed, and I agree with that. Maybe you're right. Everyone seems to think that Esau killed Nimrod. Maybe you're right that Esau killed Nimrod. I'm thinking that um, Kayan. Kayan was killed by Tuval Kayin. Um I think Esau killed Nimrod, you're right. The coat was made of different animal skins. Oh, there you go. Okay, thank you. Rashi says he killed him, that makes sense. Okay, what else? By the way, if um, I, I can send you all the sources, I have a, a list here. I'll show you what I did here for you. I did this years ago, but I can send you this list here if it's interesting for you. And that is, I'm just going to bring it up on the screen here. Here, this is all of the various Midrashim that I spoke about tonight. You know, Avram starts to see God, Nimrod, to send soldiers after Avram. These are all the, the different Midrashim, all the sources. Tarach invented snapping coins. Tarach got sick or he went on a trip. Um, you know, the bigger, he, he tells Avram, the bigger the idol, the higher the price. He gives him some sales advice, according to the Midrash. Um, Avram hit the hammer on the idol's heads. Do you want this one or that one? Here's another Midrash. So I would, the story I just told you um, brought all these Midrashim together. But actually, if you see, here's my abbreviations. These are all the Midrashim that I used for my little talk tonight. And I can send you this, uh, this little Little source sheet, if you like. Just so you see that I wasn't off the top of my head. I just wanted to make it into a fun story for you, because it's much easier if you hear it as a story. But I didn't. I didn't take. I didn't, I didn't make up the story. I just. Uh, I'm just a storyteller. What else? I uh, will read this question here. It seems that. Jonah, that was Jonah's challenge also, why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. So how today is it different? We know that our efforts to be like Abraham are not in vain. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because, well, you know, yes, you're right. God says to Jonah to go to Nineveh because of the the evil. I, I think that our job today is twofold. Yes, there is an element of Abraham and of Jonah in it of making sure to be ethical and moral and follow the ways of Noah and follow the ways of God. Absolutely, no question about it. But our job is also to make this world, to, to work this world and make this world a good place, to actually be able to, to bring godliness into this world. Now, what I mean by bringing godliness into this world is by actually having the ability through our actions to make to bring light into this world. Now, one of the great questions the, theologians have asked for centuries is, is light a creation of its own? Sorry, is darkness a creation of its own or is, it, or is it the absence of light? It's a great question. Is darkness a creation of its own? Is there really evil in the world? Is darkness a creation of its own, or is it just the absence of light? Well, we believe that it's just the absence of light. And the moment you flick on that switch, it looks like the darkness never existed. That's our job. Our job is to continue flicking on that switch as if the darkness never existed. And yeah, it's hard. There's a lot of reason, I mean, mental illness, I think the hardest thing through this pandemic has been mental illness and and, and what it's done to us. It's very difficult, the quarantine, the difficulty in our lives. We have to, we must continue to look at the light to see the brightness in everything that happens. I can't tell you why, and it's not our job. We're, what are we? We are, we are, as Mark Twain once said, we're dim puffs in the blaze of the Milky Way. What do we know about God's doings and what's going on in the great, in the cosmos? We don't know anything. Come on, just because I didn't see it means it doesn't exist. We don't know anything. But what we do know and what we can control is how we react to the situations and the things in our lives. That is all we really have control over. How do I react to the situations in my life? What happens in my life? How do I react to that? That's our job. And I think today, I mean, right, not just today as a universal today, I'm saying today, right now, right here, our job is to react with light. Our job is to be able to look at this and say, this too is good. How is it good? That's not a question. But my reaction to it, no matter what, is I'm going to try. The person in front of me at the store, I don't know what they've been through. They may have been quarantining for the past 14 days. I don't know what they've been through, but I'll tell you what I do know is they need a smile. They need a a joke. So I'll, 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 I'll say hello and crack a joke. You know why? Because that's what the world needs right now. That's what our job is, and it's that simple. You bring a smile to someone's face. You did exactly what you're supposed to do, and that is the Abraham in you. I see the rabbis kicking me off. I can be here all night.
1: Actually, I want you to stay on for a second because I want to. I want to uh, bring up this point you mentioned is really, really amazing to me. Uh, this is my really my thought process about uh, Abraham, and uh, you know, journey from Noah to Abraham. I, I didn't know this, but. You know, I didn't think about this. This is you brought this to to my mind. I didn't know that the 120 years that Noah built the ark really paralleled the 120 years that Abraham lived. So instead of preserving himself, he was out there day in day out, not only discovering, but also sharing. And right. um, and and I I think that the the big difference when I when I looked at the Abraham and especially we learn about him, you know, in our teachings. And the Hasidut is uh, from the beginning, the first, the first address that the Lubavitch Rebbe gave was that he said, you got to be like Abraham, which is you got to be kind. You have, you have to be almost, uh, you have to have sac- self-sacrifice to be kind to others. Uh, and he brought a lot of stories there. That's what it's about. That, you know, when you're kind and you yeah. share and you share about God in a kind way and then people turn around um, and I, I, that's what I, it fascinates me, and I think uh, you yeah. think the Noahide movement, but it's really the Abraham movement taking over the Noahide, uh, you know, commands or whatever. Well, the, the Abrahamic movement oh. is a is is, a, is just a natural um, continuation of the Noahide movement. E- exactly, exactly. And, and, and nowadays, I think the difference. I agree with you. The difference nowadays is that we just got to turn the light on because the world's been prepared. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. people are waiting to hear this. They've been thousands of years. They've heard about this. You know, and now there's a film about Abraham. <laughs> that's, that's it's even better. You know, so. it's,
0: it's it's all obvious. This is today, this is all common sense. I didn't tell you anything you didn't know already. It's all common sense. That's how open and that's how real this is from the world. It just oh yeah, duh. Obviously, this is the way, of course. We think, oh, everyone always thought like that. That's why when we look at these people who are bowing down to idols, they're like, Who are these people? What are they doing? You really think that stone created you? Come on. Some good salesman.
1: <laughs> well, I think this is. Uh, I, I definitely look forward to uh, to you know you sharing us uh, with us more, and uh, definitely I, I know you're involved with many in your community that uh, are involved with No ID movement. That's that's beautiful, and uh, yeah, uh, you know definitely there's people around the world here. You know on, on this on this uh, on this session right now we have people all the way from Kenya and all the way from you know all around the world. It's 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 fantastic, and I, I thank you all for joining today. Um, you know, the only way we can do this is, uh, so to speak, a tidal wave, a flood wave of Abrahams, shall we say, uh, to the world. Uh, and uh, thank you for bringing this, uh, bernat for bringing this subject of Abraham to our imagination, to our hearts through this film, and uh, definitely for sharing us with us this this evening. So, um, yeah, thank you, thank you so much, and uh, thank you all for joining. And uh, yes, we will. We will uh, continue on with our next session, and uh, I'm sure that we'll. Uh, if anybody wants a private message, Joy Bernath, um Bernath, uh, what's the best way? If you have a, if you have a question further on, Everett? if you have a question, you can get a hold of me any and any time either um, uh, Rabbi
0: at jewishndg.com or you can just message me. I have a, a website, theloverabbi.com. I hate the love rabbi thing, but I'll just I'm going to go with it anyway. So if you go to theloverabbi.com, you can message me. It goes right to me.
1: Thank you so much, I uh, Thank you all for joining. And uh, I wish you all the best. I uh, hope to see you all soon on Unite to Study. And uh, if you ever, Bernath, we'll, we'll get you on there soon as well.
0: <laughs> Anytime. All the best. Thank Anytime. you so much. You're all welcome. Keep that little Abraham spark within you. You got that little Abraham. Keep it strong. Keep it alive. Thank you. Hi there. I just wanted to let you know that I just launched a brand new website. It's theloverabbi.com, T-H-E-L-O-V-E-R-A-B-B-I.com, theloverabbi.com. And it has, um, lots of very interesting, uh, things there, especially you can purchase, um, a lot of the different classes and, uh, lectures that I have given, um, over the past few years. And you can also take a look at the current classes and lectures that I'm giving and, the current events that I am doing on relationships. So I encourage you to go check it out. It's theloverabbi.com. Thanks so much. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com